thank all of you for being here. Uh, we're all in this together. We're here today as we're always, when we gather to sit, we're always coming as beginners. And so let's get in that stance of uh, beginning. Um, and some of us may sense, well, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years or 30 years. Why, why should I think of myself as a beginner? Well, in the, in the reality, uh, we are simply beginning to wake up. We're beginning to, to wake up as a human family. And we're only beginning to wake up to how amazing we are as human persons. And as persons coming from many different angles. Um, and we are especially more aware of that in this world of ours, where we are much more aware uh, of the differences and yet of the beauty of those differences and of the, the uh, movement in science and, and the amazing discoveries. Uh, Ilya Dalio, who was in Houston a couple of weeks ago, she's a Franciscan sister, has said something like, the divine complexity is all around us not just in human beings, but in all of, of creation, in all of the movement. So there is, we're just beginning as a human family to become aware of the great potential that is ours. And so, uh, more particularly now, we're, we sit as people wanting to be informed by the source of that complexity, the source of that uh, goodness and beauty and diversity that is uh, very exciting at one level, but amazingly subtle at another level. And it's to become sensitive to the subtlety and to the spiritual dimension of that level is why we intentionally sit to meditate. We're here today under the uh, heading of Christian meditation. Uh, and in this context, I just want to say a couple of words for those of you who may be Christian uh, and who may be Catholic on top of it. Uh, those who are Catholic and Christian come to this more confused than a lot of, a lot of other people probably. Because within the traditions, we use the word meditation contemplation and, uh, and uh, passive contemplation, all interchangeably. And so people don't know what we mean when we talk about Christian meditation, as I'm going to invite you into today. Uh, in some context, Christian meditation is taking a scripture and meditating and mulling over it and talking to God about it, or taking an image and actively doing something with it. And that's not what we're gathered to do today. Uh, what is meant by Christian meditation today is uh, that, as I am using it, other people may use the word differently, but as I'm using it, uh, there's a spot up here, two spots up here for anyone who wants to come. Uh, as I'm using this, the, the word today or the phrase today, it's more easily connected with 
someone named John Main and Lawrence Freeman. Some of you may have heard of him. If not, look, look them up on the internet. But both of those people do lots of work internationally on Christian meditation. And they have been very influenced by the East. John Main was in the military and ended up in the East and woke up to the fact that as a Christian, he really needed to learn from the East how to go deeper in his prayer. Lawrence Freeman picked up that same teaching and he carries it on. The other great teacher here in the United States is connected back to Thomas Merton and to Basil Pennington and his name is Thomas Keating. And Thomas Keating teaches a form of meditation which is centering prayer. Both of those are what we're doing today. Either of them could be uh, connected with this quiet sitting where we do not bring content into it. We, put, we bring ourselves aware of the fact that we are all, as Christians and as humans, suffering from what I call spiritual Alzheimer's. We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten the source, and that's okay. What we're doing here is we begin, every time we sit, to be open to being reminded of the source, taken into the source, not through our heads, not through our images, not through saying prayers, but simply listening, deeper than our own physical breath, deeply listening to the breath that gave, gave us being, to the one who gave us life, to the one who gave us life into eternity. So we are being reminded that we are eternal beings, and so is every other human person, regardless of denomination. We are spiritual beings. So when we sit, we're listening deeply to the breath of God, which we cannot capture on our own. God is the one who initiates that movement. But we sit attending. That means we notice when something comes across, dancing across our consciousness as a nice holy thought, we can either get hooked on that and make up our own story, or we can gently let it go and continue to be in the dark, waiting, waiting in the dark, and trusting that God is doing the work, or the Spirit of God is doing the work. The deepest source of our being is doing the work. And when we, take, when we want to take charge of it, we gently return to our intention to be quietly present to the presence from whom we have come. Present to the presence in whom we are rooted, from whom we receive breath. 
you all probably have your own way of entering in your meditation and your own rules about how to sit in centering prayer at Ruah Center. They tell people, sit with both feet on the floor, sit so that your physical being won't be a distraction, and then gently notice your breath or use some way to return to your intention, to consent to the God who gave you birth. We'll meditate for 30 minutes. At the end of that time, uh, I may uh, hear a question or two, and uh, we'll proceed uh, from the chapel with maybe a little input uh, that will enliven your Advent time. You're waiting on the coming, constant coming. If I feel moved during the 30 minutes, I might inject an encouragement. Uh, I may just not.
Thank you. Uh, let me see first if there are questions. Any question? The questions are only okay. Well, I wasn't uh, purposeful, but I like the word person because it comes from, I, I like words and study them. And it's uh, a person or someone, uh, a, or the word person gives the idea of sound moves through, the sound of God moves through each of us in different ways. The movement of God moves through us. A being is wonderful word too but it's more like uh, it's, we're rooted in the essence, in the, in the beingness. But the perso person is personar. Uh, I think it's especially connected with Spanish. But uh, I hope it didn't distract you during your, no, because those are the kinds of things that waltz in and out of our quiet time, and we just gently let them come and let them go and return to our intention to be there. Poets, uh, and that's why uh, I'm glad you brought up about a word, because poets, many poets are mystics. Uh, many poets had a sense more of the beyond in the now. Ah, I'm not a high-tech person. And I forgot to bring my timer, which is easier to work, and I'm trying to use my phone. I have another question about a word that seems rather ironic, but you, you, you were talking about using language, and yet... We don't use the mind. That's right. Uh, is what kind of gets in our way. That's right. Yes, we, yeah, but it's true. It's true uh, that uh, we get all tangled up. And I think that's wonderful what Ilya Dalio says about the divine, uh, in a sense, the divine web. We get caught in our own webs. But uh, back to poets, like Blake was, was definitely a mystic. I had a sense of the otherness present in the now, in, in creation, in uh, like his poem, Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright. The other one is a very short little one uh, where he says, um, one who uh, clings to the joy, uh, one who bends to the, himself a joy, one who tries to bend a joy to himself. And sometimes we do that in our meditation. We think, oh, this is a nice, joyful time. God must be here. So we're trying to make it fit our meditation. And, uh, and that's exactly what we need to let go of and just trust that the one who is under that is more important than the symptom. But uh, he says, one who clings to himself, bends to himself a joy, does the winged life destroy one who kisses the joy 
as it flies, lives in eternity's sunrise. That freedom to let creation be. Uh, and one of my favorite ones for this time of year during Advent as Christians is T.S. Eliot, a little section of T.S. Eliot's Four Quartets. He said, I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope. For hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love. For love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith. But the faith and the love and the hope are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be the light and the stillness the dancing. You seem to put into words that which is the beyond in our midst. And that is why meditation is so, um, so really wonderful. I am so grateful that you came. Just having you around me here gives me courage to keep on meditating and to know that others are doing it in the city. I'm going to share with you then. Is there any other question? Yes. Yes. That's a very good question. You, you acknowledge the giver, but you, you acknowledge the giver and not the gift. In other words, you don't try to cling to the gift. Because if it is sourced in God, God will give you even a better joy, deeper joy, and, and you have you're acknowledging the source. And so that's what meditation is about, or centering prayer, or whatever we call this sitting together. It's, it's to, to, to focus on the root of all that is wonderful and good, the root of our lives, the, the one who gave us birth, and is giving us a birth beyond all our imagining as we move through this life. So that's a great question. Any other question? Yes. No, it's not. It's about waiting in gentle trust that we are already a prayer. You know, St. Paul said we don't know how to pray. It's the spirit who prays in us. So really what we're doing is waiting for that spiritual movement from deep within, teaching us then to be that way outside of the meditation time, to listen for the rumors, as it were, of the spirit of God everywhere. Well, I think this is a good story for, to end with and to send you out with, um, and it's fitting. It's a friend of mine who sent it to me. 
he says, uh, I happen to know this man and he's moved out of the city. My mother and I used to plan our Christmas shopping like two generals preparing for a military campaign. We'd lay out our flyers and coupons on the floor and map out our goals for each store, each of which was grouped by location, all of which was co coordinated with the list of gifts, which gifts to buy and for whom. Armed with our agenda, we'd set out on the, for the day. Part of the strategy included procuring the right gift at the lowest price. In those pre-internet days, we'd visit two or three stores and compare prices until we felt reasonably certain we had found the best deal possible. Only then would we make the purchase. Sometimes these shopping days would last 10 to 12 hours. We'd come home exhausted, but satisfied that we'd done well. I wonder if there's some aspect of this approach to Christmas shopping that permeates other areas of our lives. Do we hold back a part of ourselves, never making the purchase, because somewhere out there is still that best deal, that best possible deal? What if, however, we already have the best deal possible? What if the friends, the partners, the jobs that we have right now are exactly what we need? Rather than continually search for the best deal possible anywhere for anyone, can we recognize when we already have exactly who and what we need here and now, in this very now? And what if this yearning for the, the best deal possible is at its root really a spiritual matter? What are we ultimately yearning for? Are we not yearning for love, happiness, self-acceptance, and inner peace? These graces can't be bought or sold. It is the essence of all spiritual practice to cultivate an awareness that they already are and only reside within us. I think that's the place of spiritual practice the daily meditation, the daily sitting. Will we choose to trust that we are unconditionally lovable and loved throughout eternity, starting now? Will we open to the wellspring of gratitude so that all the glory of the universe is available to us every moment? Will we cultivate self-acceptance and inner peace that our daily successes and failure rarely rattle our core sense of identity. When we invest ourselves wholeheartedly in these inner graces, we no longer need fantasy because our outer experiences begins to mirror our inner reality. And it is in our inner reality that we discover that we've had the best deal possible all along.
So I just really uh, encourage you to trust that this, this spiritual practice of daily meditation keeps us aware that we are living the best deal and that it's ever, ever growing stronger in our lives and that we are growing stronger in being persons who mirror it to others, who through our presence bring the presence that we have experienced within, the presence of the one who gave us birth and gives us birth. Now let's leave the chapel in quiet. It's almost time, I think. Well, we're finishing early, so if you want to stay and prolong it, your meditation for a few minutes, we can do that. Just know it's the faith and the hope and the love are all in the waiting.